Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we decided to do this thing during basketball season because, like, unlike during football season, there's really not a lot to preview, right? There's two games, and anything we preview for the second game could be out the window by the first guess. We're like, hey, that along with you know, it's fun talking about wins. Let's do our podcast in reaction to the basketball games from the previous weekend. And then Arizona went and lost to to Oregon. So and badly. Um, and then Arizona women lost to Utah in a just most disheartening, like frustrating, they didn't deserve to lose that game kind of way. So great job, Wildcat Radio 2.0 in terms of planning. But Brett, yeah, not a not a great basketball weekend. Nope. <laughs> it was it was uh you know, I I think um, you know, you talked about both the men's and and women's team. I think the Arizona men's were trending have been trending in a bad direction, maybe uh punctuated with an exclamation mark by the absolute sleepwalk showing at Oregon where they just got beat up and dominated pretty much end to end. Um, I would, I would contend that the women actually looked pretty good against some good teams um, and got a little, as you mentioned, maybe got a little hosed at Utah, but yeah, it's uh, not, not, not the outcome we wanted. Yeah, no, I mean, we'll start with the men's team because obviously like when you're losing like grand, the women lost to Colorado, lost to Utah. They should have beat Utah. Like they, they played well in their losses. You can see like, okay, you want to win those games. In my mind, they probably did beat Utah. But regardless, like they're playing pretty good basketball. The men, on the other hand, oof. I mean, <laughs> we talked about it our last show how like their ability to kind of flip the switch, right? Like we were kind of wondering, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And I think we kind of settled on yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, they lost. They they beat Washington in that close game where they kind of slept off to the first half, but then turn on. Then they just got crushed by Washington State. You know, like they were not competitive. Hardly. Like they made a brief run in the second half to get with something like five, and then they just went the other way. Then they go to Oregon State, get off to a great start, kind of like the ASU game, actually. Get off to a great start. Looks like they're going to run away with like this game like by 25, like they're doing to some teams earlier in the season. And then that game didn't get as close as the game against ASU did, but Arizona did not play a great second half. Then you go to Oregon, play a pretty decent first half. They're down only by a little. You know, tie it up early in the second half and then just get housed. You know, and just like looking like the inferior team. And unfortunately, I like they fell to number eleven in the country. Whatever the rankings are, what they are. A lot of teams lost. A lot of top twenty-five teams lost last Saturday. But Arizona hasn't really looked good, like consistently good since what the Tennessee game, maybe Indiana, December tenth. Like they've won. Granted, they've lost two of their last three, but they haven't looked like a good like 
a good elite basketball team. Yeah, there's so there's a couple of things I want to unpack in that because like you mentioned even since like the ASU game, you know, we found out after the fact that Omar Ballo went to the hospital. He was so sure, sick after that sure. game. Uh, and bluntly, I just don't think he's been the same since then in terms of, you know, quite as quick or aggressive. And maybe that's lingering effects of a hospitalization illness, even for a couple of weeks. Like that's a reasonable thing to kind of get your legs back. Right. Okay. Um, you know, hopefully that is something that resolves itself. Like, I don't think Ballo's looked bad, but I don't know if he's been, you know, we talked, we were at the game at ASU and we were like, he doesn't seem to have that quick lift that he normally like that would bounce. have. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, for the other games and like what we've talked about uh, a week or two ago, where Arizona doesn't have just that star power that ultimately is like takes takes over or raises your floor. And I was saying that this team needs to be confident in order to be the best version of themselves. My fear is right now it is that confidence is shaken and that the narrative is contributing to that. And certain guys are just like broken. Uh, like, you know, Pell Larson's having a, a, a rough go of it of late. And if, you know, if, if I think Pell Larson is the, maybe the best barometer of, of how Arizona as a team is playing, because if he's playing well, the team is probably playing very well. And if he's playing terribly, the team is pretty much guaranteed to be playing terribly. Right. Um, and my fear is that lack of like that lack of confidence is is maybe snowballing in a negative direction rather than building right now and that doesn't augur well moving forward no and but like balo hasn't necessarily been himself and it's probably due to him being sick sure but you also wonder and this is the fear like where arizona's at right now they've lost three games this season it's not like they're you know a total train like they're 15 and 3 but they are only 4 and 3 in the pack like they only have three pack 12 losses like chances are they're not winning the pack 12 like, they're too far behind. I mean, they're behind ASU in the Pac-12. Like, it's bad start to conference play. Whatever. Arizona can finish fourth in the conference and win a national championship. I think people would be okay with that. You know? But you wonder, is this because Balo is sick? Is this because they're in a slump? Or is this because they've kind of been figured out? Because they don't have that star power. They don't have the Ben Matherin to just light it up. They don't have the Coloco and the Dale and Terry's to clean things up defensively when you need to get a – like, when they need to get a bucket or they need to get a stop, can they get either? And if they can't, is it because they're in a slump or is it because teams have figured them out? Because they don't have as many options. They don't have as much skill and talent as they did last season. And and I struggle with this one because this is still the same team that is 15 and 3. You know, this is still the same team that had its way with Cincinnati, with San Diego State, did well against Creighton, you know, beat Indiana soundly, hung with and beat Tennessee. Like this is not a bad basketball team. But is it like and I have a hard time thinking that people just figured them out because they're running the same stuff they ran last year, just with arguably inferior talent. So like, then what is it? Is it a confidence thing? Is it a slump? Is it that the effort isn't there? Because some of these things can be fixed. Some of them cannot be. And you hope that most of it's things that can be. I mean, not to cop out, but I think that the answer is all of those things to some extent. And then how do you fix it? Like, how do you, how do you get past it? How do you get your confidence? Like if teams have figured it out, then you're not getting the easy buckets. And if you're not talented enough to make the tough buckets, how do you get your confidence? Like it seems like a vicious cycle they could be in. And yeah, they're 15 and three. This is a good team. They're a tournament team, but it seems like that ceiling that we thought, you know, going into the year, it's like, well, okay, maybe they're a sweet 16 team. If they're lucky, things break the right way. They're replacing too much. Then it's like, whoa, look at them. Like they're climbing up the race. They're really good. And now it's like, maybe they're just coming back to earth. But if that's the case, like what does earth look like for this version? Cause the last month or so 
they haven't looked like a very good basketball team, not consistently. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the ceiling has changed in that when Arizona plays its best game, I think they can beat anyone regularly. Okay. Right. Um, and I and I I was thinking about this over the last couple days, and I don't even think this it's necessarily what is. I don't think Arizona's floor is any lower, but I think I think there's a difference between being vulnerable and having a low floor, right? Okay. Vulnerable means that in a you know in a bad day they can get they can get beat pretty bad, right? But they're like if they play their best, they're you know they're, they're it's they're really hard to beat, and I think those are two different things, and people need to you know not hit. The, I don't think people need to hit. I think people, it's fair to be concerned. I think it's too unreasonable to panic. Like you're still what fifteen and three, right? When t- most of the top twenty five got beaten, and everybody's and people forget that the. <laughs> The one time an Arizona Wildcats men team men's team won the national championship, they were a four seed, guys. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> so that's like, what I was getting at earlier. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like let's all just let's, let's all just calm down. But um, but when you've watched them, Brandon, you're like, you're a really good basketball guy. Like you said, like they sleepwalked like through the Oregon the second half against Oregon, right? Like beat up and down the floor. They sleepwalked against Washington State. They the second half against ASU. Like this has become kind of a trend against like. ASU is playing good basketball. They're not a great team, but for a stretch, they made Arizona look very bad. Oregon made Arizona look bad. Washington State made Arizona look bad. Washington, these aren't elite opponents. If Arizona loses or struggles to tennis, you're like, okay, that's fine. That's a really good team. Yes, Oregon's more talented than their record, and maybe ASU is more talented than we thought, but Arizona just hasn't... They're looking at their best. Like They haven't really looked their best, not for 40 minutes in a long time. At best, it's like 20 minutes maybe against Oregon State. But like when you say at their best, they're really good. But can they reach their best anymore? Like, is that a concern? Because like you are what you are. And like lately, they're not very good. When I think, you know, you answered what can you do to fix this? You know, mental mental toughness and consistency are the same thing in my mind, right? Consistency is mental toughness. And I'm, you know, for stretches like against Oregon State and even for parts of, you know, coming out at the beginning of the second half against Oregon, they had a bounce in their step. They looked like they were motivated. They're trying, you know, there's a another thought I was having. We talked about this when we were at the ASU game. There's a fine line between, uh, you know, forcing the defense to react and taking what they give you. And that's where this Arizona roster lives is right there. <laughs> but if you're going through the motions, a good defense is going to and you're and you're not forcing the issue in terms of like making the defense commit to something uh you end up being in this weird purgatory offensively that then the whole thing kind of falls apart in terms of a complimentary basketball game and the other the other factor uh you know from the conference perspective i think that's where tommy lloyd needs to go to somebody like kirk carissa who's not been he you know he's not been shooting well uh, of late right and for me it's like you know the the, the phrase shooters shoot and you gotta you you know you don't shoot your, you you got to shoot your way out of a shooting slump now there's a difference between taking your shot and taking bad shots that kirk reese i think has been better this year and for stretches it's just not been going in but even the last couple of games you know when he's leaning on his shots and he's rushing them those are low percentage ones compared to when his feet are set it's in the flow of the offense and i think there's a there's a balance for tommy lloyd to encourage you know pell larson and, and kirk carissa and and these guys that are you know in a in a shooting slump to keep shooting but shoot the good shots, right? And there's a, that's a it's it's all this kind of fine line that every every individual and the coaching staff have to walk. Um, 
and this is this is where you need the mental toughness there, and you need to have that confidence, and that's where you need a if an unconfident Kerr Carissa is not a leader on this team, right? And that and our that lowers our ceiling and our floor. Well, like you mentioned, Carissa, and like yes, when he's on, he's quite good. When he's off, he's quite bad. Outside of Tubelis, and we'll say we'll give Balo the pass that he's been sick because. You see it there. He just like the little bit of lift that he needs for those, some of those hook shots, some of those shots around the basket. If it's not there, he's going to struggle. He'll get that back, I'm sure. Outside of those two, who can you rely on? Because like if Balo's sick, right, and he's playing, he hasn't missed any games, but he's not 100% out there. Someone has to be able to pick up the slack. Like Tubelis is not going to be great every night. Balo's not going to be great every night. Someone has to be like, they don't even have a reliable third option right now, let alone a fourth or a fifth for when one of their top two is struggling. And I think that's kind of where their troubles are. Like, you can talk about all we want, and I agree with you. When they're going through the motions, their offense is not going to be successful because they have to really get teams to bite on things, to get their high-low game going, to get those open looks. But, like, why aren't they doing that? Like, is this an effort thing or is it just an ability, an ability thing? Because neither one of those is a good thing. If it's the latter, at least you could, in theory, fix that. And Or an effort thing. If it's the former, you can fix that, not the ability. And that's where I wonder with... Yes, this is still the same team that won 15 of its first, or like 14 of its first 15 games, or whatever it was, got out ranked number five. Like, they're not a bad basketball team. I know that. And I'm not trying to be chicken little. Chicken little. The sky is falling. They're going to be terrible. You know, they're still a tournament team. They're going to finish in the top half of the Pac 12. Whatever. Like, they have good wins because they're a good basketball team. But I'm just trying to figure out what their issue is because, like, the Utah lost. Okay. They had an off shooting night. Utah played out of their minds. Like, that's going to happen, right? Not I can live with that on the road. Washington State at home, you know, that second half against ASU and I, like ASU and Oregon and Utah, they're all road games. So at least you can say it's tough to win on the road. Fine. Yeah. Washington State at home. I there's just there's just something about this, and it's not nothing that I'm doing. It's like oh, what is Adam noticing that we're not seeing? Like how they haven't looked poor, how they haven't had that because we want to blame focus because we want to say it's something Arizona can fix. If you say it's effort or focus, that puts it on Arizona to fix it. But if it's not an effort issue, if it's not a focus issue, then it's a talent issue. And if it's a talent issue, that's a problem. Insert long sigh here. (laughs) Um, Well, and even the Washington State game is an interesting one, even among the losses, because Azul's Tabellas was fantastic in that game. And he is somebody that sometimes, you know, if he's getting muscled around, he can get thrown off his game. He had 29 points and 14 rebounds that game. Yeah, he was great. Um, so like even against, if if it's, it, that tells me it's, you know, not just a, oh, get physical with uh, Arizona's guys and take the bigs out of the game. Like there's some aspect of that. Like people are trying to get, uh, bring Balo and Tabellas out on the perimeter to open up stuff on the defensive end. Um, and I don't think that there is the high end talent that is that, you know, is a bulwark against disaster at times. But at the same time, I don't think the effort has necessarily been there consistently for everybody. And, you know, follow, maybe you give a pass. But like where the other the other challenging part here is just some of the the, the depth is not there for a variety of reasons. You know, one of the big unspoken well it's kind of spoken failures of this season and why the depth isn't there adama ball has not made the leap um no. i know you i know you were super high on him i was a little bit skeptical i see the potential there and maybe he still gets there he's still very young but you know not he, only he hasn't made a leap he hasn't taken a step 
think he's almost <laughs> he's he almost, barely he's, moved forward from what we saw at the end of last season. I'm not even sure he's moved forward. <laughs> yeah, um, like he's one of the big. I mean, him and Larson, I think, are two of the biggest disappointments because of what we expected of them. Now Larson was supposed to be a starter, Ball hopefully a sixth man. Neither one of them have filled those roles. Yeah, and maybe and the talent is there. Like, yeah, they shouldn't. I mean, the the, the one. Uh, beacon of hope is that Kylan Boswell, another guy that was a very young for his class, uh guy that was coming back from injury is Kylan Boswell. And he's, you know, he's he's looked fantastic against Oregon. Uh and he plays good defense, which is one of the spots where, you know, is it effort or ability on defense? I think it's I think defense is 85% effort in in basketball. Um, but then to some extent there is just ability, but you can even coach your way around that with certain defensive schemes. When you have a Krishna Coloco and a Dalen Terry, it's a lot easier to play defense. Yeah. I mean it's the it you Let's know, be honest here. <laughs> if you will, yeah, well if if you if you were what teams are doing against Arizona on, on when they're on offense right now is they're trying to pull Ballo out of the middle of the court with a shooting big, like you know, what they did what Utah did to Arizona. That takes away a shot blocker, and then you're incredibly susceptible to penetration. And our on-ball defenders have been, at best, inconsistent to poor. Like, Kirk Carissa doesn't have the ability to be a great on-ball defender. He's just a pest. He gets the most out of what he has. I'd like to see more out of Ramey. I think Kylan Boswell, you know, he's only 17 years old and is 17 for several more months. But he's probably our best on-ball perimeter defender right now, let alone a good ball handler and a pretty good shooter. You know, I think... You know, to, to answer your question of like, what can you do about it? There's, you know, usually you'd say, oh, put these guys in, shuffle up the starting lineup like Oregon did. But who are you going to who are you going to put in there and right. who are you going to take out? You know, I could see, you know, maybe you maybe you put uh, Boswell into the starting lineup. But are you going to put him in there for what, Ramey or Pell Larson? And then hope that they can provide a little spark off the bench. Like There could be some logic to Larson off the bench because he was good off the bench last year. Maybe. He just needs to be a bench guy. There are certain players who, for whatever reason, it works better for them coming in as a six man when some guys are a little bit tired in different rotations. But I will say, and for Tommy Lloyd, like part of the issue is like the bench, other than Henderson, it's a really young bench. Oh, yeah. You know, like there are guys like Vesar, who's kind of fallen out of the rotation, it seems like, has a lot to learn. Dylan Anderson got some run against Oregon State, looked okay, but he's still a true freshman. You know, Phillip, you know, like there's a very young bench where there's not guys necessarily pushing the starters. And that's just. I mean, that's kind of the reality of this situation for this year's team, right? They lost three starters from last year's team, experienced guys. They lost Justin Kyra. Of course, he was going to be a one-and-done type of guy for them anyway. But it's a very young team outside of the starting lineup. So you don't have necessarily – and they're not like five-star prospects to replace them. They're not one-and-done guys who are like ready to push for significant minutes as true freshmen. So there's not as many buttons to push, you would think, other than trying to get the most out of the guys you have. You can't actually threaten Kirk Creaser with playing time because you need Kirk Creaser out there. You need Pella Larson. You need Courtney Ramey on the floor. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it's unfortunate. It's almost like last year's success, I think people were like, okay, they lost a lot. They're going to take a step back this year. That's fine. Then they got to this great start. It's like, oh, wait a minute. This is pretty cool. You know, and Tubelis is great, but he's not a one-on-one type. He's not a give the ball to Tubelis and let him go to work and he's going to be a consistent bucket. After that, like Courtney Ramey hasn't been as good as he's supposed to be. Kirk Creasa has not been consistent. Pella Larson hasn't been as good as he needed to be. I don't know where else they turn. I, I think the hope is that these guys, like that's just a rut, like shooting slumps happen, that they get it going and start reading, like, you know, Balo gets healthy and they rediscover that magic from earlier in the season. 
Like, I hope it's an intensity issue. But then again, if it's intensity, why aren't they trying as hard as they should be? Yeah. You know, like you're losing basketball. It's one thing when you say, oh, you're up 17. You start to coast in the second half and it's like, oh, wait, crap, we got to start trying again. You try and you pull away. You're losing basketball games. And so it's, I want to say I hope it's the effort and the intensity because that you can fix, even though you shouldn't have to. But I do wonder if just this team, and I don't know if no one in the country is like super talented this year. Like that's the beauty of this year's season. Yeah. Like there's no great team. So Arizona still has a chance to do whatever they want, but just this team is still figuring out who it is and who it can rely on. And unfortunately, there's not that many players they can rely on right now. Yeah. And I, you know, I was looking at the stats for the the Oregon game. Like one of the reasons why Arizona got beat so badly in that was they got out rebounded 42 to 32. Um, you know, some people might say that that is ability on rebounds. I would actually argue that that is all effort in a t- in a team rebounding sense, especially when you don't have that much ability. Like, I think back to with my high school program to be like the best rebounds is when uh, everybody, all five guys, box out and then go get the ball, and you can grab the rebound after it's bounced because you got you could put a body on a body. That's right. the mentality this team needs, and I think you can coach that into them. But why don't they have it yet? I mean, mostly a lot of these guys were on the team that lost to Houston last year. A lot of these guys are like, okay, now we're the guy. Let's lead Arizona to the final four. Like that, that's where it's easy to point to effort. And there's things that are absolutely effort. Like you you can just watch on a basketball floor, but it's easy to point to that because it's harder to say, well, they're just not good enough. And I don't, and I'm not saying they're not good enough. I just, that is a fear I have right now because of what we've seen, because at this point in the season, they've played 18 games. 18 games for a team that, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, at least five key guys were on the team last season. Like They should know what they're doing. They should know what they have to do. And I'm not blaming Tommy Lloyd. These are college kids. It's hard. But if it's an effort thing, why is it an effort thing? You know, I, effort is a skill too, right? But it's a, a skill you can <laughs> you can manage and you can improve on, right? Um, and I think that, that I think it go if you go down the roster guy by guy, Adam. I think it's it's that some guys like Kirk Carissa. I think the effort is still there. He just doesn't have the physical ability. So that's a talent issue, then. <laughs> yeah, I think he has, a, and that works better when he's like the point guard surrounded by you know three, four NBAers. He can be very successful in that role. But like if you're if you're asking him to be your you know on ball defender against their best guy, you're going to fail. And right. your third option offensively. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, so that's a different, that's, I think for him, he has limitations. Uh, I think you can still win with him, but there's limitations. You know, who, you go down the line, like look at Courtney Ramey, look at Pella Larson, you know, Adama Ball, like there's ability there, but there's something, something's just not happening. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> lucky for us, uh, we don't have to be the ones that figure that out. We can just <laughs> throw stones here from uh, from the from a distance of our podcast. But you know, this is where a good coach earns his his pay, right? And this this is where it's a difference between a good recruiter and a good coach, right? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they finish the season. Like, there's still a lot of basketball left. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and they're 15 and three. They're number 11 in the country. I think I saw the bracket talking about them as a three seed. Heaven forbid. You know, so it's, and this is what happens when you're Arizona and you have the expectation, you get off to the great start. It's like they lose two out of three games on, you know, tough. I mean, they didn't play well. So it's not like they were close losses. Say, oh, they played really well. The other team just made a shot, you know, or just had a fluky play grand. You, or Oregon did have that like three quarter court pass that went in for a three pointer. I, I was texting a buddy after the game when the ASU beat Oregon. I'm like, yeah, they're going to make 14 threes on Saturday. Just watch, you know, 
And it's like, yes, they're going to play better against Arizona than they played against ASU. That was just a miserable performance against ASU by Oregon. But I think and I fear that Arizona's defensive inability and offensive struggles feed into making other teams look better. Like there is the teams get up for Arizona. I understand that. When you have Arizona on your chest, like teams are going to give you their best shot, even if they, especially if they got their asses kicked the Thursday before. Yeah. But Arizona at its best, it doesn't matter. They render it moot. You know, they come out firing on cylinders. And I just don't know if this team is, they're not good enough defensively to make up for bad offensive nights. And they've had far more bad offensive nights than they can afford. So how do you fix that? Is it effort? Hopefully. Because if it's talent, well, they're not getting any new players this year. So unless guys take the midseason leap, which can happen, you know, Pell Larson could turn things around. Boswell could be that guy for them now that he's a little bit more, you know, he's healthier and part of the team more. You know, Adama Ball or even Courtney Ramey, the a bit like maybe. But yeah. if it doesn't happen, then then yeah, this team's start to the season is going to be definitely more of the fluke than the expectation going forward. And, well, and sometimes it happens. It's not the end of the world, but that that may that's the inflection point they're kind of at right now at this point in the season, I think. Well, Maybe Adam, you and I can do a mid, you know, to help develop somebody mid-season. Let's me and you vo- generously volunteer to send five to ten pounds to Henry Vasar, so he's more able to handle it at the post. I will. I got a few donate. to spare, so yeah. That, if we could do that, he could happily have some of mine. But you know, Brett, it doesn't get any easier for Arizona. You know, they're coming off this tough road trip, this tough little stretch, trying to get right. They're gonna have to get right against the LA schools. Let's talk about this big weekend next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And as we talked about, Brett, things have not been very good for Arizona men's basketball. Not lately. I mean, they haven't been very, very bad, but they haven't been very good. And, you know, always have a chance your next time out on the floor to get right. Well, Arizona gets USC and it gets UCLA. And yes, this is a great opportunity. Arizona wins these games. Hey, season's back on track. You're where you need to be. Cool. You've kind of washed away what happened the last month or so. But the odds of them getting swept, to me, is greater than the odds of them sweeping. And that worries me. I think that's going too far. Okay. No, that, that's fair. That's fair. I, th- I think a split is the most li- by far the most likely outcome. Okay, well, I, I was saying the, the, of the two extremes, one is more likely than the other. A split is probably the most likely of all of them. That's sure. Yeah, I, I still don't even know if that's... Uh, I don't even know if I'd agree with that. Um, well then, given given it's in Tucson, and I Brent, think this is a podcast. There's no room for disagreement. That's not how <laughs> these things go. I mean, we 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 all know that we have the problem of saying <laughs> what an what a reasonable opinion you have there, sir. I think I agree. <laughs> but I mean, like the way Arizona has played lately, right? Like that that's what I take it as. Like Arizona has not played good basketball. Like they lost at home. There's a McHale magic that yes, they're tough to loop beat at McHale Center. Washington State did it two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Is USC better than Washington State? Yes. Is USC, you know, is UCLA better than Washington State? Yes. So if Arizona could lose to a Washington State at home, why can't USC beat them? Why can't UCLA, who has won at McHale Center in recent history, why can't they do it too? Well, now is the point where I have the schedules pulled up, and USC 
lost to Washington State on January 1st, so they certainly can. That was a road game, though. On the road. (laughs) The curse of Pullman strikes again. Um, The curse. Yeah, the curse that is Pullman, probably. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's the the, the interesting thing is going to be how the team reacts, because there's all these. I've never seen so much panic and bad vibes uh, around a team that is ranked number 11. And even like, you know, what it's Arizona's lost eight of the last nine games against Oregon. Not like not just the games in Oregon, like overall, <laughs> like you know, Altman has had Arizona's number for a number of years. But like, if that game was closer, wouldn't you feel different? Like I'd feel differently. Like if Arizona was competitive in their losses, I'd feel differently. They really haven't been. I, that's, that's kind of was leading to what I was going to say. Like if, if, if you had, uh, Gone into the if you going into Pac-12 play, you would have said like, "Oh, that game at Oregon, there's a real good chance they're going to lose that game." Sure, right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is it the loss or is it the panic of that they lost, uh, or how it's they? It's the lost? context of how they've been playing. Yeah, like so it was I, just more of the same poor performance. And like, yes, it, you could explain them losing to Utah on the road. Sure, you could explain them losing to Oregon, and yes, you could explain the Washington State game where you just have a bad game. But they've had more bad games. They've had more bad halves than they can afford to against a team like USC and especially against UCLA, even at McHale Center. Yeah. So I think, you know, you would think that with all of what just happened, uh, especially against Oregon, where they just got straight up dominated, you know, Dante uh, basically took Kirk Reese's soul. Granted, it was... It was a charge. It was definitely a charge. (laughs) I mean, as well as I'm glad they did. Like, I wish it was not called a charge because like, come on, let's have the big dunk. But by the run, looked like a charge. Also, sidebar: I, you Oregon fans, one chanting "overrated" and and uh, storming the court when they've won eight of the last nine against Arizona. The overrated chant never makes sense. It's like, so you're cheapening your victory because you're saying the other team's not that good. Cool. Also, expect expect to win, you know. Um, But I think that the the result of that is. The effort problem and the focus problem, if there is one, that should be self-solving this week, right? Hope. Uh, and if it's not um, with certain guys, then I think if you're Tommy Lloyd, you know who's just that play some other guys, play the young guys. At least they're going to be more hungry, even if they're not ready, <laughs> right? Um, that, you don't want to be having those conversations ahead of this of this weekend, you know. You'd no, like to I, think you have that solved before you play USC and UCLA. No. Right, but you know, this is why it's college sports and not professional sports. You know, these guys are in their, you know, a lot of them are teen, most of them are teenagers, right? Um, and they're going to classes ostensibly. Uh, so it's it's not it's not the same as the there's not the same level of consistency you can reasonably expect from pro athletes. You just can't, right? Um, I would imagine that Tommy Lloyd is having in a in early uh, the first practice of the week probably said. Hey, this you know, if you're not ready to be up for these games, don't don't bother showing up at all, kind of thing. Because like when Arizona has like six players on Thursday. Well, well, well I mean, if if I mean, well, but if that, I mean, if that's the case, then those guys shouldn't be here, right? And if you can't get up for USC and UCLA, and UCLA is looking pretty solid, um, USC I think is good, but I don't know if we know how good, right? Um, you know, I expect I expect Arizona to come out and be ready to play against USC. I actually think they're going to win this game and maybe even semi-comfortably. No, the question is, will they be able to handle that uh, 
with a quick turnaround against UCLA. And like, that's the thing with like the Oregon game too. Like those 36 hour turnarounds is on the road are rough, man. At least at home, you're like sleeping in your own bed. You're not traveling. Uh, I think that plays a factor. I think it's a good thing in that sense that, you know, the UCLA game is the second game. And I think there's a little more of an ability at home, sleeping in your own bed, not traveling with the home crowd to help minimize any of the the panic periods <laughs> a, a little bit. Um, you know, so I, I actually think I disagree that I, I think there's a more likely chance that Arizona sweeps this than they get swept. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, that, I'm not saying that's necessarily a high likelihood of happening, but part of me almost expects it just because that's what college basketball is. And then I'm just going to deliciously, I, I was already tweeting out, like, I look forward to the op- overreactions in the opposite direction after Arizona sweeps next week because it's, you know, fans are emotional and the, the narrative is emotional. I think, though, and like, you know, I'm not the emotional guy. It's just the, the context of how Arizona's been playing. So, and if, yeah, if they come out and they beat USC, it offers a chance for a bit of a reset. You know, but if you lose to USC and you play, I mean, USC doesn't have a big team. They're mostly guards, which could be a weakness. You know, I don't know if that plays well or poorly for Arizona because Arizona's guards really can't defend, but their bigs are what drives the offense, right? So maybe it'll be a high scoring game. I don't know. But yeah, if you beat USC, it gives you the chance to make the statement against UCLA. But if you lose to USC, then it's like, whoa, because UCLA is better. <laughs> and yes, it's their focus should be there for both of these games, especially coming off last weekend. But I would have thought the folks would have been there last weekend coming off the weekend before, you know? So that's where it's like, I, I don't know if I blame the focus so much as a talent, but I want to blame the focus. And I want to say, yes, they're going to be, they're going to get the message finally come out just, you know, intense and solid and run their offense, play their defense and do what they need to do to win these basketball games. That would be great because yes, it's college basketball. You play those two games a week. You win them, everything's good. You lose them, everything's bad. You split it, depends on how it went. And then you do it again the next week. And until it's March, until it's the tournament, no loss ends their season. And this isn't a team that's fighting for, like, they're not on the bubble, Arizona. I mean, if they lose a lot of games from here on out, yes, they could be. But this is not a bubble team as of this moment. They can afford a couple losses, and they're still in the dance. But I want to see them play well. That's the thing. I I can live with, remember we were talking about ahead of the Tennessee game? It's like, if they lose, but it's competitive, that's acceptable. Like, I, yes, I want them to beat teams that I think they should be more talented than. But if they play well and lose a, just a good game where their team just makes some shots, you know, if Oregon had made 14 threes and Arizona had lost by like five, okay. You know, sometimes you just run into that. But it's when Arizona's playing bad, I just worry that it's because of stuff that they can't control, that the other teams are just doing something to Arizona that Arizona can't battle, that they can't push through. This is a good opportunity because USC probably isn't better than Arizona. They're talented, but Arizona's the more talented team. That's a chance for a pretty good win that could then give them confidence heading into UCLA, who is arguably more talented than Arizona. And they'll need to play a good game to beat. They'll need to play a good game to beat both of these teams, a good 40 minutes to beat both of them, but certainly against UCLA. And I want to, I'm interested if Arizona can do it. You know, when focus should not be the issue, can they get the job done? Can they look like they did earlier in the season? We'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think back to my, my, my high school program. Before every game, they had three things on the board. It said defend, rebound, and execute. And like two of, the, two of those things are just straight up effort. And then it was just execute on offense, like take good shots. And I think that applies for Arizona. Like Tommy Lloyd's system will get good shots as long as you're taking the good shots. And if they don't go in, I'm not as upset as when you're like 
you know, shooting crazy leaners or, or rushing things uh, two seconds into the possession. Um, you know, if you're taking good shots and they're not falling, I live, I can live with that. Even if you sure. lose Oregon by 30, it's when you're, you know, making bad decisions. You're not, you're, you're not executing the offense. You're not putting it forth the effort on defense and rebounds. That's where there's a concern. So I think, you know, I think Arizona can do it. I think if they don't beat themselves, they will beat USC as long as USC doesn't play out of their mind. Uh, and I think they have to play well and maybe have UCLA beat themselves a little bit. And the, you know, the narrative thing is on the other, that, that plays on the other side too. They're going on USC and UCLA are going on the rows and, you know, Arizona, the narratives, it's all bad vibes. So maybe they're going to walk in there thinking, Oh, they're beatable. And it's because they're teenagers too. Right. Like yeah. we get very, we get very navel gazing at our own teams, but, you know, it's teenagers over there too. And if you're relying on consistency from an 18, 19 year old, you're, you're going to be sorely uh, disappointed. And, and I don't know if this helps now, but like with ASU being slightly more competitive, teams have to think about both those games. They can't just settle for being, you know, getting up for Arizona. Like UCLA is going to have to play a tough game against ASU before yeah. they go down to Tucson totally. and USC, obviously, I mean, they can't, you know, there's no overlooking anyone, but there's no, like they have to, they have to think about both of these games, you know, UCLA and USC. So maybe ASU being a better better team makes them a better travel partner for Arizona to where, I mean, granted, when they house Oregon on Thursday, that didn't help Arizona for Saturday, I'm sure. I think, but, I think, I think it actually did the opposite. Yeah, I think, I think it probably of, doomed Arizona especially. When that, think, yeah, just like Arizona's going to come out more focused against UCL, USC after getting housed by Oregon. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's how it should work, right? That's how it's supposed to work. And to be fair for Arizona, after they lost to Washington State, the first half against Oregon State, they were money. They looked like Arizona. They just couldn't sustain it for the next 20 minutes. So so you're predicting a split, Brett? Is that kind of how you see this one going? Yeah, I, I, I wish I was more confident and being bold and calling for an Arizona sweep, but I think it's more likely to be a split. I think Arizona's going to beat USC, and I think they'll look decent against UCLA. Uh, but and maybe they can pull it off because it's at home. But I, I'm 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 a little skeptical of their ability to go too straight right now. And uh, this is gonna make me sound like the worst or something. But like I'm kind of gonna take the approach that I tried to take, or I had to take with football. That until they show me they can do it, I'm not gonna like predict them to do it because I just watching Arizona the way they've played over the last like I I need to see them play well for 40 minutes before I can say they'll do it. Because I think I don't think they can get away with twenty minutes against USC, and I know they can't get away with twenty minutes against UCLA. Can they put together forty minutes in the same game? And I, they haven't done it since Tennessee. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say you have seen it. It's just been a few weeks. Yeah. So like, and that's where I want to see them do it. Like, so I guess to that extent, I'm predicting they get swept. And I'm not happy about it. And granted, hopefully, I'm wrong by Thursday. <laughs> like that would be that would be great. But I want to see them do it because I need them to prove that they can do it. That they haven't been figured out by these opponents. That the length, the athleticism that some of these teams have that Arizona doesn't, isn't a death knell. You know, isn't the reason why this team is just going to struggle. Because USC UCLA is probably tougher than Oregon State and Oregon Grand. This is at home, so hopefully that balances that out. So big weekend though. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, Balo versus. Uh... Bona, the, the guy that looks almost like a young, he, he, he reminds me a lot of Umar Balo a year or two ago, where it's like, he's a big, young, raw guy that's kind of starting to figure it out. I think yeah. that matchup's going to be hella fun to watch. It, it should be. Like, this, let these games be good. Like, let, as long as Arizona plays well, 
whatever happens, happens, because that's sports. But they need to play well. Yeah. I think that's it, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Also, I just looked. That UCLA at Arizona game on Thursday doesn't start until 8.30. So they're doing a late game on Thursday night and then the noon game. Oh, the UCLA-Arizona State game? Yeah. Yeah. So that's not doing UCLA any favors. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I will will take it, sir. Yeah. No, I'm not going to complain about that. But, Brett, let's take one more break. And we come back. There's been some news around Arizona with volleyball, some football stuff. We'll talk about it. We're back. One more segment to go here. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And in happier news, football. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it's a Jed Fish offseason. It's kind of becoming a Jed Fish offseason again. Uh, then Jerry Roberts decided he didn't want to play his 12th college football season at Arizona. So he decided to transfer. He's going to UMass, which a lot of Arizona defensive players have. Totally get it. You know, I'm okay with it. Go play there. But Arizona got themselves a transfer linebacker, which might have helped aid in Jerry Roberts' decision to leave. Yeah, I'll I'll let you pronounce his last name. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm still gonna let you. <laughs> I, I I really I really don't want to do that. <laughs> we'll call him Daniel. Yes, we'll, we'll go with that. No, it's a you know, most people uh, in old age go from Massachusetts to Arizona, not from Arizona to Massachusetts. But I certainly wish Jerry Roberts well. Um, I, I, easy guy to root for. Uh, I think he maybe saw the. It seems like he saw that he's getting recruited over. Um, Daniel committed. Uh, plus, there's still, you know, we talked about with Matt Moreno a while back. Leviticus Sua is announcing soon. Uh, there seems to be a lot of, you know, optimism from Arizona side that mm-hmm. it's a it's a good chance of happening. And he'll make um, that decision, I think, on Saturday. I think I think that's correct. At the, well, he's the, probably already made the decision. He'll announce his decision on Saturday. Yeah. yeah, I think like last year there was guys like Speedy Luke who had actually already signed their thing. Well, Friday, twentieth is Friday. Never ah, mind. There you go. You know, there, he, may, he may have already even signed, and we just don't know until after the fact, uh, yeah. or he knows. We just, you know, that's this is how recruiting works. Um, but you know, hopefully Arizona will get good news there with Le- Leviticus Sua, but also Daniel coming in uh, from from Washington. Uh, another former four star, I know. Yeah, another guy that talent wise should step right into the rotation i think he's you know with the weird covid rules is this like his third or fourth year but he still has like two or three years between red shirts and covid um you know so you actually have like the makings of a real linebacker room especially if sua uh leviticus sua easy for you to say um you know joins even though you don't want to rely on true freshmen starting jacob manu notwithstanding um so with justin flow uh daniel Manu, maybe Sua, um, and some of the other guys that, you know, maybe there's some guys that come in still. Uh, maybe there's some some of the the, the also-rans that were committed the last couple of years. We haven't heard their names. Maybe they make a leap in the spring, but... Sure. Well, you know. It's the rebuilding of the defense, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, getting Daniel Hemuli. I know he had like an off-the-field incident, which didn't help him up at Washington, but I know Arizona's comfortable with whatever happened there and bringing him in. And when you're Arizona, yes, this is talent. Justin Flo is talent. Daniel is talent. Four or five-star guys where for it didn't work out at their previous stops and granted Arizona's picked up guys Malik Reed you know I think Solomon from or from Michigan you know they bring him in and yeah they just didn't they didn't didn't get it done this seems a little different for why these guys didn't see the field so much but obviously you'll take it Arizona needed more linebackers needed better linebackers needed bigger linebackers like Jacob Manu is terrific but you need size and 
just raw talent around him too that can do things that he cannot do. You know, let him be him, but he can't be your best linebacker. Hopefully he won't have to be. But yeah, you're starting to see what the plan is. You know, even what maybe Johnny Nansen's benefit is, like some of the guys that they're getting on campus and bringing in to play as a part of his defense. And that's one thing that I'm excited to see is that he's going to have his players. Like the guys who have transferred there are going to UMass. Yeah, they wanted to play for Don Brown. They wanted to play in that system. That makes sense. Johnny Nansen doesn't run the same system. So if he can get players who fit what he wants to do better, then he has a lot better chance to be successful as a coordinator. But either way, when Arizona wasn't just raiding the portal early on, it's fine. There's a lot of players out there, and Arizona is not, you know, it's a pretty appealing destination, especially if you can look and say, yep, I'm going to play right away. So, and that's what they have to offer still, especially on defense. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's going to be more portal movement. I think there were some guys oh, yeah. that, that from Arizona side entered that were maybe not surprising, and there's probably going to be some more. There's, there's going to be another glut coming and going for every program after spring. And, you know, roster spots will open up and they will get taken up by guys that find a better, a better situation. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, you can see, I think, I think if you put it the right way, you can see the plan, you know, the linebacker room is materially better than it was last year already. I would argue. Right. Uh, with, sure you know, seems with, like it. with the potentially be considerably better, you know, the D line last year, I think was a little bit uh, underwhelming or disappointing in terms of expectations. And they've lost some guys, but they've also added like Tyler Manoa, some of the young guys looked really good down the stretch. You know, we'll see, you know, Christian Roland Wallace is gone, but you know, there's capable guys behind him, you know, we'll see. I, I'm curious to see how it all kind of shakes out. Guys like Jackson Turner still haven't landed any anywhere, but I'm not sure how that ended. If he'd have a chance of coming back. <laughs> um, we just don't know. We're not in those, in those conversations, but nope. you know, I, you, you feel a lot better about the linebacker room. I'd love to see just a talent of, level. Yeah. Like it that, hasn't done anything on the field, but the talent level appears to be improved in the size. Like these guys are linebacker size players. They're not OKGs. And not, it sounds like we're talking, I'm talking smack about Manu. Manu's great. And obviously, you don't have to be 6'3, 250 to be an effective linebacker, but it doesn't hurt. It, it helps. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like, I, I'd rather, and they've said, like, their style, like, they're going to, if they're going to miss, they're going to miss on size. They're going to miss on the guys who look the part, have the physical ability to play the part. They just, for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. Like, that's, that's sports. You know, there are plenty of guys who look like they should be really good and aren't. But that's how Arizona, if they're going to miss on guys, that's how they want to miss. And I'm for that style. Yeah. I, and I think that even goes back to the, the Kevin Sublin era where they were trying to transform the roster to be bigger and just more raw ability and try to see what you can get to pop. Right. Mm. And so, you know, yeah, Jed Fish and staff have some, have shown a pretty good ability. Like last year's class top to bottom, you know, most of them already look like hits rather than misses. Yeah. And that's as like true freshmen. <laughs> right. For sure. So that augurs well for their ability to identify talent. Definitely. And of course, Arizona picked up a commitment from a four-star running back, Jordan Washington. Um, he's a class of 2024. So obviously hasn't signed, but he's committed. Of course, Arizona has done pretty well with running backs and it's easy to see why a running back might want to be a part of this system. Cause yeah, Arizona had a couple of thousand yard receivers, but the running backs had their fun too. You know, Michael Wiley, especially had a very good season. DJ Williams, speedy Luke, like there's Jonah Coleman. Like there were carries to be had in an offense that runs a lot of plays, moves the ball up and down the field. So it's just nice to start with that momentum, you know, getting one of the better players. I think they're what number 136 player in the 2024 class, Washington by 247 sports. That's a good get. 
<laughs> to to start your class, you know, start 2024. Him and uh, they got the receiver out of Arizona, uh, Brandon Phelps. Yeah, Jordan Washington, it's like, what if you had Speedy Luke, but a little bit bigger? <laughs> like, that's what he it appears to be, at least on tape and in and, and the measurables. So, uh, you know, of course, Arizona fans immediately started to panic and assume that he's not, it's, he may decommit. And it's like, yeah. Welcome to recruiting. Yeah, he might. <laughs> but I'd rather have him committed to start, you know, because it's kind of it's a snowball thing, right? Like players want to play with other good players, so when you have them locked in, it's a lot easier to say, "Hey, this guy's coming here. That come join him. This that and the other." So, yeah, he may leave. Nobody who commits right now for twenty twenty four is signed, but I'd rather have them committed than not. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I know Arizona's looking for a cornerbacks coach still. Uh, Dwayne Walker, of course, was no longer there. They're still looking, and who knows by the time you listen to this, maybe they'll have found someone. Um, we'll see. You know, an important position, especially given the talent that's there. They want to make sure they keep those guys because we talked about there could be more portal movement, hopefully not in the cornerbacks. <laughs> like there's a lot of potential there who Arizona's going to be relying on. So whoever they hire is hopefully inspiring enough to keep those guys around and make them feel like they can get coached up and get to the NFL because Arizona needs them. Yeah. It- Dwayne Walker maybe gonna get replaced by another Dwayne is the rumor potentially Dwayne Aquina spelled yeah. differently but you know a guy that used to coach at Arizona highly successful coach a little longer in the tooth I think than maybe most would expect but he'd be a win and Dwayne know, Walker wasn't exactly a, a you know spring chicken yeah you mean thirty four years or whatever as a head coach <laughs> or uh, as a coach in some form and former head coach yeah no I think I I I think we've seen enough of Jed Fish to. Uh, trust him in the off season uh, and see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think I think the the matchup schedules for Pac-12 play are going to get out soon too, Adam. They're coming out soon, so we'll talk about it next week's show. You know when that yeah. comes out because we can't look into the future. Sorry. I mean, you know how I love a good schedule preview. Yeah, it's the best. We got to go down, break it down. How many of these are going to win? How's it going to go? This that because yeah, everybody knows what's going to happen in January. <laughs> <laughs> Before we sign off, Brett, uh, Dave Rubio, the volleyball coach, announced his retirement after 31 years. And this just makes me feel old, right? You know, Mike Andrea, he retires. And now Dave, Rubio, like, these were the, like, they were there for a long time when I went to school. And now, like, they were still there. And now they're retiring. Like, I mean, congrats to Rubio. He was like, Arizona volleyball was always in good hands with him in charge. So that's, yeah. a, that's a thing. For some reason, I thought Dave Rubio was considerably younger and had been at Arizona considerably less time. And then it made more sense, (laughs) but (laughs) that's kind of like when I go, Oh yeah. 2002 wasn't even that long ago. Uh, Oh wait. Yes, it was (laughs) (laughs) 20 years ago, (laughs) but uh, congrats to coach Rubio on his career. Of course, Arizona volleyball now has to find a new coach to replace when you're replacing someone. This is, like Arizona had to do it, I guess, with Lute Olson. Arizona had to do it with Candrea. Like when you have these coaches who are like your program, right? It's very different. Now, granted, volleyball is not softball, is not men's basketball. But Arizona didn't have to worry about volleyball for 30 years. Like they had their coach. Now they have to find one. It's always tough to replace those guys, but doesn't mean it can't be done. Yeah, at least it's not on top of like that period where every single coach was getting turned over at Arizona in like a six month period, or at least yeah, it felt true. like that. that is so true. Best of luck to Dave in retirement though. For sure. For sure. So, but I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at wildcat radio AZ as a handle. If you have a question for us, ask away there and we can answer it on the show. Um, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, subscribe to us on, 
both channels because we like that. But if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review and we will read out the review on the show. Whatever it says, we will read that. But otherwise, I think that does it for this week's show. Anything else, Brett? Are we good? I think that's it. All right. Well, everyone, big weekend for Arizona basketball, men and women. Hopefully, we're talking about wins next week. But whatever we end up talking about, we will talk about it. That was bad. Hopefully, Arizona basketball is good. We'll catch you next week. Remember to bear down. Bear down.